Today's matter of interest is the game Red Matter, a game from 2018 that still matters. Okay. <laughs> uh, hello, and welcome to Head Mounted Destinations, a podcast about virtual reality and VR game development. We provide our perspective as developers and provide a peek behind the curtain for people who are interested in how VR games are made. I'm Matt, and I'm a gameplay programmer. I'm Carlos, and I'm a game designer. Today, we're talking about Red Matter. Red Matter is a game that was released in November of 2018, so it's close to three years old now. It's a story-driven VR puzzle adventure game that's set in an alternate universe sci-fi Cold War scenario. You are a secret NATO agent that is sent into space to infiltrate an abandoned Soviet science facility on a moon of Saturn and retrieve secret documents from that base. And this game holds up pretty well, despite being from 2018. This game is super cool. Let me explain. Like, we're going to touch on things a bit later, but it, like, uh, we see a lot of sort of like principle stuff, I think, sort of VR principally stuff that like happens all throughout Red Matter that only get touched upon by more recent VR games. So maybe in a sense that that's what will make it show its age is how much it leans into this, what we believe to be very VR, both maybe aesthetic and like mechanics. Yeah, when I hear 2018, or really anything between like 2016 and 2018, there's like a good chance that it's kind of awkward and like doesn't, it sort of ignores some of the principles that have really soaked into the mainstream in terms of how you design interactions or all of that. But this game kind of nails like every aspect of what a VR game should be. I mean, especially if you're talking about like a story-driven single-player adventure VR game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So like... Where should we sort of jump into this? Because, like, I don't want to get straight in the spoilers, but I also want to give our travelers a real good taste of, like, the dopest shit in this game. Let's start at a high level and just talk about, like, the feeling that it gives the player, right? Because, like, you go into VR and you're looking for a certain type of experience, potentially. Whether that's, like, you know, I want to be be freaking Spider-Man or I want to be exploring like ancient ruins or in the case of this game you want to be in space yeah it's like a sci-fi space game but it's a little bit corny um like it's not hyper realistic and it's also a little bit spooky or like i mean you described it as what was it unnerving curiosity or like uneasy curiosity yeah so totally it's it's unnerving but you're always it's your curiosity. It's almost like that feeling, you know, they say curiosity killed the cat, of course. But like, I think that kind of summarizes it best for this game, not with like the dying part, but like you, you feel like there might be something dangerous around the corner yet. You're like, this is cool or I'm intrigued or like, like something's going on here. Like, I just, I gotta know more. And, and like, like against even your own, you know, if you're thinking like, oh, this place is spooky, you like you you feel yourself getting pulled deeper and deeper into the facility. I would maybe at a first glance call this like 
uh, dread, like feeling dread as I explore my surroundings. But like, I don't think that's the case. I think I felt that more when I would play Dead Space, uh, where I know like, oh, it's going to be horrifying. I know I'm going to hate whatever's right around the corner, but I know I need to go. Like, that's dread to me. This game did not give me that feeling. It like never gave me that feeling. As far as they go is spooky, right? Which is like shallow level of like scare. It doesn't even reach to scare, in my opinion. And I think that's awesome because if anything it just like leaves you wanting more somehow yeah i think that's the key right is in these like horror games straight up you know these entities are like malignant right they want to hurt you in this game they do a really great job walking the line where it's like unnerving and spooky but nothing is directly like attacking you and so you you keep going in and a little bit of a spoiler alert but they twist that right and so the entity that seemed imposing and negative ends up actually being on your side and benevolent yeah and like the people that you think are on your side are not and like that's great like that's a really cool moment and also the fact that they don't just have these the uh spooky thing actually be bad means that it it isn't super off-putting right i mean you related it to the when we talked about titty the idea of you don't want it anything to be very physically intimidating because it's psychologically stressful well, in this, they could have totally gone that direction where the set, you know, the setting is pretty imposing. And if they had this actual live entity that is like aggressively up in your face and attacking you, like that would certainly raise the bar in, cert- in terms of accessibility. Yeah, I couldn't help but compare this game to Soma as I was playing it. Soma by, I believe, Frictional Games, the makers of Amnesia, Penumbra, all these first person ad- adventure horror games. And I just kept thinking, like, wow, Red Matter feels like all the best parts of Soma without the friction of that horror entity being around. And, like, granted, that horror entity, I guess, kind of helps with pacing or putting pressure on the player to get certain things done. Maybe those are the the reasons it's in there. But in Red Matter, I can still feel unnerved throughout the experience, like, when you turn a corner to enter a hallway, you see a, a wall-sized eyeball mural to give you that feeling that you are being watched. And you get that feeling throughout the experience. Just the subtle hints around the environment give you unnerving feelings. Never never having to actually, like, throw something out to harm you. Never having to, like, scare you by having a harmful entity around. The overall feeling that the game achieves is very, like, VR-friendly. It walks that fine line between, like, the curiosity and the uneasiness and the things being potentially deadly. It's it's in a very good spot, right? I think that's something that a lot of games in general fail to achieve. And it's it's hard to do, and it's easy to get lost in the trees and miss the forest, especially during development. But, like, mm-hmm. nailing a feeling, like an atmosphere in your environment that like the player gets immersed into you get to be somewhere else not only do you get to be somewhere else but you are actively reaching at threads and pulling them to like learn more about this place so to get into a bit of the mechanics of it since we've talked a lot about kind of the story and the feeling the whole space base is in russian and me as a american man cannot read anything but english (laughs) and who knows maybe my english reading is shit too but uh when you go in there you have a scanner 
this scanner can you point at the environment if it has like this russian lettering you click and hold the trigger and then beep boop beep now you have like whatever language you read displayed on your lcd screen whatever in the environment and i thought that at first it was a novel kind of gimmicky mechanic and then as i got kind of like deeper and deeper into the game i was impressed by how integral it was to like almost like every part of gameplay Mm -hmm. like i used it to solve puzzles i used it to like navigate through my environment and i was doing that as an extension of its base function like when i would walk into a floor and be like oh shit i do I do not understand what the layout or the function of this place is. And then I see a nearby like Resident Evil map on the wall, scan the thing, and then your magic suit will tell you like where you're at. And it's like, okay, beep, boop, beep. I'm in the uh, upper echelon chamber. I need to go to radio communications. Oh, sweet. There's that symbol. And like, I'm probably describing something that sounds mundane potentially, but in VR, you have the headset on, you have your controllers in. And you are in a you are in a space base you've never seen. It looks kind of cool, and you're doing all that shit. You are a regular person inter- engaging with your environment to gain information using this one tool. Which, like, I think it's just a cool tool. You know, there's plenty of other mechanics in the game we're gonna like hype about in a bit. <laughs> but yeah, like all the storytelling is like opt in. The player has to go and scan the thing. If you want, you could brute force. You could not scan. Like whatever, it's fucking optional. The most you have to scan is like uh, what is it? Security key cards and locks to open up doors. But if you don't want to get the story or anything else, like you could just skip through that just by passing it and not scanning it, which I thought was really neat what did you think about the storytelling slash like mechanics in this i thought it was it was great i mean there's a lot of like good set dressing and like environmental storytelling and the environment design is cool i think you're right on the money about the whole navigating the environment right in the real world like if you're in an airport or whatever you're looking around for signs and like the layout in order to know where to go and in this you know you land on a new level and you're like okay like what the hell and then you start scanning things and you're like oh cool reactor room is this way like security room is this way and you start navigating the environment and making sense of it the same way you would make sense of a real environment and i think the scanner is actually not you know the only aspect but an important aspect of getting you to buy into the fantasy because it's opt-in you're like okay let me start trying to make sense of this environment actively using my conscious brain rather than just soaking things in passively and like reading signs and like in a lot of non-vr games you're probably running through it quite a speed you're you know moving the camera around wildly you don't necessarily pay attention to all the props and little environmental details as much but in this game it's like you enter in through the airlock and you're like oh there are a couple of spacesuits missing and then you start having to rifle through people's lockers and you start potentially scanning like oh here's a photo of these two people or like a a sticky note on a bulletin board and you're like looking for all these you know you're looking how to how to proceed through the game but in doing so in like scanning these things you're getting little snippets of story as well and like yeah just because you're as a human you are used to looking at the environment and making sense out of it you start doing that to this environment and it's well enough laid out that it actually does make sense 
Exactly. And to perfectly visualize what you're talking about, I remember this one room in the game. It was one of the crewmates' bunks, and it has the the red wall in there, and you don't know where the the red pawn is to put on the on the puzzle board. So you go into the room and you're clearly like, Okay, here's my door. I need to find the puzzle piece. Like Where's the puzzle piece? And you see little like post-it notes or whatever nearby. So I went to scan these things in the hopes that it might have a clue as to where the pawn is. But instead, I found like a note that read like, I'm sorry, Isaac, I must do this thing like in order to save the space base, yada, yada. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. That's I wonder what's what happened with that. Obviously, the space base is not saved, but uh, I wonder if that character is this mysterious thing that's showing up or I wonder like what the hell is going on here. Um, the next note I scanned again I'm interacting with my environment, trying to figure out, like, where is this puzzle piece? So I'm scanning notes to see if any of them say where the puzzle piece is. But instead, I get the response to that first note that I found that is like, no, like, don't don't go like this is foolish. You know, we're getting double crossed, yada, yada. And that got me into it like more. So anyway, that is that is just using a game example to say like yeah yeah like the, it's totally opt-in and i think if anything like the player ends up stumbling into the story like whereas most games will dump a story on you or like the player will like slowly like ease into a story that is presented to them the way that red matter presents itself i think allows the player to tumble into the story if that makes any sense no, totally. It's a lot of games, which is like story might be an afterthought or like, oh, we'll deliver it through VO or like a lot of like overwhelming exposition. And this sort of turns that on its head. It's a very, very clever use of the like scanner mechanic as both a gameplay thing, but then also like a you get fed narrative slowly and it, it keeps you hungry for it. So we've talked about the story in this story driven vr puzzle adventure game but this is also a vr puzzle adventure game so let's talk about the puzzles dude the puzzles <laughs> are so good <laughs> the puzzles are so good in this game the puzzles are so good because they are so tactile and at mm. times they lean on the tech within the controllers like so well and what, so what do you mean yeah. by that Okay, I, I want to immediately bring up the batteries because that shit was dope. Okay. <laughs> there was this part um, in, you get to this, like, there's about, I'm going to say maybe three big single room puzzles that you play. And this is in the second one. You're in this, like, big gray room. You've got, like, to power up some lasers and then point the lasers to, like, a big laser receiver to power on a teleporter. So you start this by charging batteries. And you have the charge batteries by, like, walking up to this station, physically, like, opening the door to the battery compartment, taking a battery out of, like, a different compartment and putting it into the charger compartment apartment closing the door and then hitting the button to charge it and that whole sequence of events in vr just feels fucking awesome and like grounds me to the world so quickly and fluidly because everything felt like responsive as well like ever everything's everything that you can grab is like marked with a yellow handle more or less so you're just like okay like assassin's creed style almost or far cry style you're like okay these are my gameplay objects like click click grab swing and then the special part about these batteries that like has really stuck with me is that when you take the battery out of the compartment 
uh, it seemingly instantly lost its full charge. And so I couldn't like put it back into where it needed to go. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, why is this? This, it keeps dying as soon as I take it out. And so I used my scanner and saw like there were two notes near me. So I used my scanner and it turns out one of the notes had read, must handle battery carefully. Like any movement <laughs> will drain battery. And I was like, oh, oh shit. Okay. And usually that's like that's kind of they play it safe like they give you a lot of wiggle room in that so you could be like all right i'll just half speed it no this was like handling nitroglycerin like and i loved it like my hand has kind of like a natural tremble to it and i had to move my hand at probably like two percent of regular speed yeah and my normal shake i had to like do that like call of duty click in left thumbstick steady breath and like just do <laughs> that to move this battery like two feet three feet at most <laughs> like that was so cool and fun and tense and, and like hearing the battery level going like beep 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 beep, beep as i'm like moving faster and faster to like warn me like that shit was so cool, and I wish we would have had more of it, honestly. But I think, like, the safest... That that battery implementation was the safest way to do that type of volatile mechanic. So, anyway, mm -hmm. that to me was, like, just... Oh, this is a small puzzle. This is, like, puzzle one within the massive, like, room puzzle. And I just fucking loved it. Like, it was uh, not necessarily the shortest puzzle. So, you know, you got a good amount of battery handling. But it was so, like, wow, I, like, am so in VR right now. Like, I am, I'm not even in VR, actually. I'm in this world. I'm not thinking about the, the headset that's on me. I'm not thinking about the controllers. I'm thinking about the beep of this battery and how slow and, like, carefully I'm handling it. That just yeah. took me away, man. Yeah. To hone in on the reading notes in order to figure out the puzzle, like, I thought those were the most impactful aspects where you, you have to, like, read the environment and make sense out of it. The part that comes to mind for me is the whole reactor startup sequence where you're literally like starting up a nuclear reactor and it's you come in and there's like a whole control room and there's all these controls and they're all in Russian. You don't know what the hell is going on. And there's like notes scattered throughout the environments. So there's like a boot up sequence, like scribbled on a thing. And you're like, oh, like I have to press these buttons and you're doing that. And there's a bit where you have to like look at an electrical wiring diagram and like slot in some resistors and like replace some components and like you go into the actual reactor room and there's a ton of pipes and it's super overwhelming. You're like, what do I do? But then you start looking, you're like, oh, there's this pressure gauge and like these pipes are connected in a certain way. And you start fiddling with like turning some valves or, you know, switching some things and like, oh, okay, I got to get the pressure into the right range. And basically every puzzle has you start off where you have no idea, but then it follows very logically from just inspecting the environment and like making sense of it and integrating all these little details, which is so much more rewarding than it just being some abstract or like totally disconnected from the physical reality being the solution. I thought that was very rewarding and like very successful in immersing you into the puzzles. Yeah. And to add to that immersion on the level design side, a good amount of like lighting 
tricks were used to help guide you in subtle ways um like with your reactor room if i recall they had an overhanging light that was activated at the station that you should mess with first and everything else is kind of like dimmed out and then once you complete like puzzle one uh, a new quarter like lights up and there i think is where you get the note that you then got to start reading and press buttons in sequence and then like I think the reactor itself lights up or, or or the scissor lift part lights up some part. But you know what mm. I mean? Like they're, they use the lighting like you go into a dimly lit room. You see there's maybe like two parts that are lit and then a massive reactor room that you have no access to. So like obviously as a player, you're kind of like, well, dark zones don't really seem appealing. Let me try the light zones. Um, and then, yeah, from there you like start scanning and you see, oh, shit, this is like how I need to put this chipset back together <laughs> to get the thing working and that's another thing i guess i want to jump into is just like we talked a lot about the tactility but like just how much i guess tactility or like the variety of tactility in the game was great if we take the reactor room puzzle and just start with the control room before getting into the actual reactor you're grabbing objects and like snapping them together after that, you are, like, taking a physical object and, like, clicking it into another big physical object, right? And then after that's done, you get to flip, like, a large switch. And then that powers up a new area, and you're now using your... You're picking up notes, and you're scanning them. And once you have that text information, you are then using your hand to press large buttons. Once the pressing large buttons is done, now the scissor lift is, is activated. And it's this, like, freely moving lever that you can just grab and move up and down. And it's like... They are mixing up the tactile interactions, the kinetic actions that the player is being asked to do is changing up with like every puzzle. I talked about the battery. That's like, a, you know, that's the like grab and like place kinetic action. But you're putting this modifier of like move slowly because everything else you've been doing up to this point, you've probably been trying to speed run. You've been slapping buttons, flipping switches now fucking, you know, take it easy, take a breath. Yeah, it's it's interesting the like changing up the the kinesthetics, right? Like, oh, slap this button, twist this knob, flip this huge throw switch, etc. And it really playing with controls is there's some fantasy about that, right? Like you get in, it's like being in the cockpit of a an airplane, and you're like, oh, there's so many like little like switches <laughs> and like things I get to do. Oh. Is that like the fidget cube appeal? Like there, yeah. there's always a little doohickey <laughs> to mess with. <laughs> yeah, but I agree. Yeah, totally. Like it is, it is a very cool and fun feeling, and in most cases, like. Actually, I think in all cases, you are, like, not heavily punished for failing. It's not like, oh, I hit the reactor buttons in the wrong order, it blew up, and I got game over. It just says, like, bam, bam, and then, like, like any button, all the buttons you pressed, whatever, come back up, and, the, and you just have to redo the sequence of button presses. And I think that leans into the sense of play. Like, mm, uh, yeah. Yeah, like, even, like, <laughs> if you want to be, like, very... I uh, brute force about it and like not scan the environment right and you're just going like beep boop beep 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 like just punching buttons playing whack-a-mole with the control board you're gonna get it at some point because like through the feedback it's feeding you what the correct answer is and thankfully I'm not gonna die thankfully uh, I'm not going to be under the stress of a of a malicious physical entity around me you know calling you out Soma but like you are just there to play to interact with things you are there to fuck around and find out like long story short and and it's it's fun 
it doesn't punish you for fucking around. Right. It does preclude the sort of feeling like you have to get something right, which can be fun in itself, right? To relate it to last episode, talking about the climb and the sense of like pausing before a big jump of like, oh, I got to get this right. The same thing could be said of like, it's fun to be like, Whew, I got to get this sequence right or like this thing's going to explode. But it's easy for that to tip into feeling punishing, especially in VR where it's so it can get tiring. You're like, oh, crap, I got to do the same thing again because like this thing screwed up. So I think it definitely makes sense to stay to err on the side of being a little bit less punishing. Yeah. The one puzzle that didn't make me super happy, I will say, is probably the statuette puzzle. To, to, to kind of describe it, and sorry if this is going to spoil that puzzle for you, but you land on this room, and at the center of the room is a meeting table and, like, this big statue. And uh, in one of the bunks, employee bunks, there's kind of like a replica of that statue, which I thought was just an art prop. I totally was like, <laughs> at that point, I was so immersed in the world that I was like, that's not a gameplay object. That's just weird art. There's weird art all over this like communist based or whatever. Like, <laughs> turns out that weird art is a replica of the statue that's next to the meeting table. You grab this the statue and you can see symbols on it that that are connected via a line so you try to like manipulate the, the statuette in your hands so that it's at the same orientation as the big statue in the room and then you can see what symbols correspond to the points on the statuette i think it was a cool use of vr where my problem lied was the fact that i mistook that statuette for like just prop art and like not the actual like I felt like maybe that could have been connected a little better. I don't know. Yeah, I can see it going either way. There, I thought it was a very rewarding moment of like, oh, oh, little stat. Oh, shit. There's a same same shape in the lobby. Ah! And then you go over. And for me, at least, the way it worked out is like, I don't know, my, my spatial problem solving was not too good. So I had to like hold the object in the same orientation as the, the larger statue and then yeah, move exactly. my head around. And, like, inspect it from, like, underneath. Okay, and I'm going to go up top and, like, moving around the bigger statue, too, based on how the line wraps around the smaller object. That stuff was really cool. Yeah, it just, like, it flips the equation where normally you're just, like, moving through the environment, manipulating objects, and now this object is forcing you to move through space. I don't know. It was, like, a very interesting inversion. That's a moment that can only happen in VR. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like... I really dug that part. Did, did you get stumped on the other puzzle that involved art right after that? Or were you then like, oh, it's all art? You know uh, what I'm talking about? No, I'm not. You got to remind me. The, <laughs> literally right after that. So you scan the thing through the hole in the wall. You yeah. go into that room and like, ooh, spooky. The oh, thing sla slammed I shut. I was stumped. I was stumped. Yeah. You had to find yeah. the three statuettes the and three on the bottom statues, of them there were numbers. Yeah. The numbers. I love that. You're just I wasn't looking. You're super like, stumped. But where yeah. are the numbers? Where are the three numbers? Is it in this child's drawing? Is this child's yeah. drawing the key? Do I have to scan these notes? Oh, dude, I. You know how there's a torn up picture in that room? Did you piece? Oh, it Oh yeah, together? you gotta start like, totally reassembling it, it, and you're like, "Fuck, this isn't the this isn't the answer." 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> you try putting it together, you turn it around, and you're like, it's just fucking blank. Why am I stupid? <laughs> oh, man. But no, that was so... Uh, that was a fun puzzle, too. Ah, man. I think as we're taking a step to the little more technical, a little bit more low level, because I think that's the one part where the age of this game shows mm-hmm. is in the, the control scheme in general. So just to break it down for the audience to catch them up, in, in-game you see your actual controllers. So like if you're using an Oculus, you see the Oculus controllers. If you're using a Vive, you see the Vive wands, like the shape of them. And you have astronaut gloved hands gripping them. Right, they're omni tools. Your controllers become these omni tools that you like press different buttons to summon different tools. Exactly. So like on the right hand it's the navigation, so forwards is uh teleport or or fly with your astronaut jetpack. Um and then on the left hand you can switch between a flashlight, the scanner, and the like a manipulator claw, which you also have on the right hand. We don't see this very much anymore. This is very reminiscent of games like The Lab, budget cuts, uh, especially is like very similar. Maybe, uh, what is it, H3 does this where you see your controller? Mm -hmm. You know, there was this idea early on of like, oh, if we show their controller in VR, then it will feel more immersive. And since then... That's a little. That's pretty much evaporated, and now we just have virtual hands. Was it for the immersion? Uh, to me, I I could totally see that. But the way I interpreted was that this sort of Gen One approach of like let's show the player their controllers in game in a diegetic way was more so to help build that familiarity with your like controller layout. Hmm. I suppose. I could see Red Matter, especially, I guess, like, for the time it came out, I could see it being, like, maybe, like, within the first three or five games that, like, a VR user plays. And so that having, showing the controllers and having it, like, be like, oh, okay, all I got to do is, like, move the thumbstick here and it's, like, near the icon for that tool. I don't know. Sorry, that that's just sort of how I read it was, like, hey, people might not know how the controllers are laid out or work so let's show it to them so they kind of have like this totem to always fall back on sure the the alternative i see is doing something like lone echo where the controls are sort of built into your virtual body so rather than like you know for the scanner i like touch a button on my wrist with my virtual finger and like there you don't even need the joystick really to switch modes I don't know, like for a flashlight, right, you could like tap the side of your head or grab something off your shoulder and shine a flashlight around. Like there are other ways to accomplish this multi-mode tool thing. I think the Omni tool really harkens back to like, yeah, the early budget cuts demo and like the lab where, you know, oh, I I grabbed this thing in the environment and suddenly my controls are mapped to it. Whereas now, Mm -hmm. basically every game, when you grab, say, a lever and you're moving the lever up and down, like your virtual hand snaps to it and it sort of tries to map your controller motion onto that constrained path of the lever. And like, Mm -hmm. we're totally fine with your virtual hand detaching from your real hand to some amount, as long as your intent to interact with the world is correctly matched in game. Whereas here, I feel like going for the manipulator claw, which is like, has like four prongs and they sort of dynamically try to like wrap around whatever you're interacting with, but it's like a little bit removed from how you would actually grab something with your hand. Yeah. I feel like that's designed because they were like, 
oh, I don't know, it might feel weird if like you go to grab a knob in VR and like you're just pressing the grip button or the trigger button, but in game your fingers are doing all this like grippy stuff and like it'll be different from how you do it in real life. I don't know, it feels very like a couple of years in the past people weren't quite sure how to design these sorts of interactions. And now we know, or at least players are familiar with the concept of like, no, it's okay, your hands are going to deviate a little bit, but they will try to respect your intent. Yeah. Yeah, I think if we were to see a spiritual successor or a actual sequel to Red Matter made today, we would get a lot of the great tactile, like, VR principled stuff that we see in the, like, the presentation and puzzle layout and all that but i th- i would hope that we'd see more a more modern approach to kind of the controls and that is to say that rather than having these like omni tools glued to your actual hands at all times treating the controllers as my hands and now giving me this almost like tool belt or utility suit feel uh like yeah i want to grab my scanner from my like right hip and then you know use it okay i got my information maybe i put it back down so i can manipulate something now what i could see to be a counterweight to that philosophy is like we don't want players to be fiddling around too much with inventory like that takes too much time that's not what this game is about Let's talk about the interactions a little bit, um, since we're talking about like the low level stuff, because, uh, you know, we talked about them as they pertain to the puzzles. But just like, how do you think the actual implementation of it, you know, these like levers and the buttons that you press and the, the knobs and, you know, snapping things into slots in the world? Like, we've seen that before, and we've seen that more recently. Do you think this nailed it? Do you think there, it's been done better since? I mean, Boneworks is a good comparison point, because it also has a lot of physicalized controls. Yeah, I think I'm leaning on the side of liking this one more in terms of interactions. Like, the interactions are way more authored, and they're way cleaner. Like, Boneworks has a lot of interactivity with basically everything, and good good on it for doing that but it does result in like quite sloppy things happening a lot in boneworks sure my hand will reach out and go to grab something but it can grab whatever it wants and who knows like how good that's gonna look like maybe my wrist is gonna like turn 90 degrees in a way it shouldn't and with red matter it felt just it was way cleaner way more presentable and more like zero to one if that makes any sense there are very specific things that you can interact with. You mentioned they're all yellow. Yep. Um, it's not like you can, I mean, you can smack around a lot of physics objects, but there's something about like, these are the things that you should interact with. And when you do, like, it's very, yeah, one-to-one. Um, it's not messy. And I think that does a good job of respecting your intent. You're creating a gameplay language that is respecting intent, but also in a way trying to respect the player's time right mm. like in in bone works if you come into a room and there's a puzzle you're you're probably going to see the gameplay objects around but it's also open ended enough that you could be like oh there's a toaster nearby let me use this to solve the puzzle and like <laughs> It doesn't necessarily have a very clear visual language either to tell you like what some of these things are. So in an effort to value the player's time, save the player's time, you are trying to say, hey, 
play with these things. Like, these things will give you progress, but doing that too heavy-handedly is, like, patronizing to the player. So we always have to ride that thin line of, like, look at these, look at these, play with these, the this is good, and having the player think that they're fucking Sherlock Holmes. My, my big takeaway is that if every VR game that involved, like, uh, adventure exploration of an environment used an interaction system very similar to this one, I would be totally fine with that. It kind of feels like it's like we don't need to innovate that much more on this end. Like, put the effort towards other things. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, I could totally see another Red Matter game or another game that is much like Red Matter, you know, mechanically, that is. Like, mechanically, investigating the environment. Really, what's at the core and what we keep bringing up are these VR principles that we feel throughout the game. The interacting the flipping of switches the turning of knobs and the like mm -hmm. internal is the more like i must scan my environment i must digest my environment and also the logic right the like i i scanned a part of my environment that told me that this button is auxiliary port i now must like dynamically use the auxiliary port reference in my head to do this that and the third it fulfills the fantasy that it's giving you narratively but it also yeah fulfills that like vr fantasy of like being in the cockpit of the jet as you described and having a ton of doohickeys to mess with yeah the moment of like you know you're at a control panel and like you've got two hands on two controls and you have to look to the left to like monitor a thing and then you look to the right to monitor a thing and trying to like finagle this whole system like that's an embodied moment right like you are there you are touching this world and that's that's vr that's something you can't get with a flat screen game really just to mention this one point on the interactions that we had both brought up and felt was just kind of awkward and this is really i think the only moment in the game where i had this feeling of awkwardness was at the very end, I won't spoil it, but you're using, you're turning a valve handle, like a large two-handed valve handle, to, like, move a laser. But you've done this laser-type movement before in one or two puzzle rooms using, like, levers, and the levers directing the laser made way more sense than turning this handle. Well, I want to hammer in on that, because that was, like, the one sort of meh point that I really felt about the whole game was okay. this is the narrative climax. This is like the twist has been revealed. There's dramatic music going on. Yeah. You're like pushing up to this new location. You're like everything's coming together from like the narrative and the gameplay. Like you just aligned this antenna and you're going to it. And then what gameplay aspect do they couple to this climactic narrative moment? Freaking turning a wheel with absolutely very like, no challenge very slowly with like no challenge <laughs> behind it there's no failure state like it's the most boring gameplay thing and it's just like it runs straight into ludo narrative dissonance which is like you the gameplay that you're engaging with is not reflecting the narrative that's unfolding like alongside of it it was just yeah. it was such a striking like like failure moment in terms of the game like as opposed to everything else had pretty much been nailing it up until then and then you're just like what like okay i guess i'll just turn this wheel very slowly yeah. while this very dramatic vo happens a couple of things that are grinding there is action one it's a very slow action that you are performing two it 
doesn't in a visual analog way doesn't mechanically line up in your brain to like how is this thing being operated by this wheel if it was a matter of like oh shit we have this really cool like narrative moment and there's symbolism here and it's gonna like match you know all the shit you've been seeing but how do we do the interface to do this specific sequence of movement i would have honestly been okay with just fucking pushing a lever upward because like it at least at the very least would have made sense that like oh i'm controlling a laser with a lever that's what i did two or three times throughout the game yeah yeah at least having the the mapping be a little bit more physically accurate but like zooming out to like traditionally what should the design be it should be a test of all of the things that you've done up until that point in the game, right? It should be a skill yeah. check. Like, it should be a Simon game, but also you have to, like, move this battery slowly or it loses all its charge, but also you're under time pressure now. Like, it should pull together all of these elements that you've learned throughout the game and, like, gotten good at to a certain degree. And, like, it's just very underwhelming. It's anticlimactic from a gameplay angle to not do that. I mostly agree with what you just said. The thing that I think butts up against the rest of Red Matter is like that fail state. Mm. That like time time constraint maybe. I don't know if like there could be like two sides. There could be a, a plethora of ways to solve this right but there's we mentioned time and time again like you it's a play area like you're not punished for failing and if they had betrayed that at the end i think that would have been all the more jarring what we ultimately may have wanted is either like a more simplified analogous like interaction or another reactor room yeah not necessarily a full-sized right like it could still be a very tight intimate space like the area they presented for the final room but a multi-phase puzzle, right? And then each phase is punctuated with the next VO step of like, no, what are you doing? Stop. And then you go on, you have to do the next thing. Exactly. You're like pumping the lever to get the liquids in place. Then you lock it in place. And then like the laser moves up another like piece on the board. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. Step by step. And that just wasn't here. And, you know, it might have been planned. It might that might have been planned. It might have been due to uh, like scope slash time restraints, that type of thing. Anyways, I guess <laughs> to cap it off, Red Matter is very well designed. It, it the tech is is fine. The art is fine. But like the puzzle design and the interaction between their like mechanical implementations and the environment design, the environmental storytelling, the puzzle design, etc. All conspires to create a very particular feeling very well as you're playing the game. And like that's just a sign of being well designed. Let's talk a little bit about this is a linear single player narrative game in VR which is very like uncommon uh especially in like 2018 it was not a good business case to make a single player linear narrative game uh like for all yeah. of those reasons is like single player people like multiplayer games especially at large like we see this in the broader games market of like it is getting increasingly more expensive to make games that have like high production value like this and people want multiplayer games that they can play with their friends. 
The linear aspect of the game means that it has low replay value, which is another thing people are more and more valuing is they prefer games where you can do runs or do like a new game plus or like just they want more play time out of it. And the fact that it's a narrative game is like, you know, you can't just dip in for a little bit. It's, you know, there's an investment and it's expensive to do. It has to have writing. It has to have VO. So like all these things conspire to make it expensive and also maybe not the most appealing thing to like audiences. And that's just, I don't know. It's kind of unfortunate. I think, uh, especially in the VR market, I think there are people who want the single player games i think there's a large number of people both in and out of the vr market that want these single player i don't the linear i could take or leave but the single player like narrative games like people people still want that it's just that there's a lot more monetization potential through the multiplayer games and i think like from a business side like many studios and or publishers even in the vr space you know they're like we got to like hedge our bets in some way, which is unfortunate because like I've been saying throughout this episode, I really want another game like this. I want uh, either a second Red Matter or I want a spiritual successor to Red Matter that uses all this cool tech and puzzle philosophy that they had. But who knows how well this did in like 2018. I know it got like a, play- a PSVR port. It's on Quest. Yeah. Okay, so Quest and PSVR, right? So, like, hopefully that means that they're still, like, they're still thinking about the project and or maybe, like, you know, moving on to something bigger and better. Nah, I mean, this has, like, low sales count on Steam, and it was on Steam for, like, you know, a couple years before getting those ports. And so, like, I, you know, this developer hasn't made another VR game or really another game. Like, it's telling. It's like, right. we may want it. It may be a great example of like, damn, I would play, I would buy and play every game that's like this. Yeah. But like, it's just, it's more expensive than other types of games. There's less revenue potential than other types of games. It Like VR is already low revenue. And now you're talking a game that potentially has a smaller audience. that's more expensive to make. It's just sad that like, that's the business case. My overall thoughts on Red Matter is that it's a really fun game. It left me wanting more. I love these types of VR games, single player or just linear, like narrative focused adventures. I love those types of games. And I think VR could take those 100% to the next level the way Red Matter did. Go play Red Matter. You should check it out. It's still a good game. If you liked this episode of Head Mounted Destinations, please share it with your friends. Word of mouth really helps us out. To get notified about new episodes, go to headmountedpodcast.com and sign up for our email list. You can listen to the show on YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to these types of things. If you'd like to discuss this episode or suggest future topics, please visit our subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash headmountedpodcast, and drop a comment. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you at the next Headmounted Destination. Mounted Destination.